Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Our theme for today is forgiveness. It's one of those themes that we need to hear quite often. It's also one of those themes that makes us all a little bit nervous. Because we probably don't do as good a job forgiving as we should. We probably have many times that we try to find reasons not to. Excuses that let us off the hook so as not to forgive. Think with me today about forgiveness. When Jesus was talking to his disciples in this passage, he made a very simple statement. If you don't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive you. I want you to turn with me to the text for today. It talks about the unforgiving servant. The unforgiving servant. You know the story. This is our series on power from the parables. And someone said, I want to hear about the unforgiving servant. Here is the story that happens. In the first place, we see the context that produced the parable. Peter posed a question. He said, Lord, tell me this. How often... Is my brother going to sin against me and I am going to forgive him? How often? Now I want you to notice the first thing that is said there. How often will he sin against me? This is not a situation where he made fun of him. He's not simply offended because he didn't take the advice that was given. This is not a situation where somebody was just mistreated and ridiculed and abused in that kind of a way. Peter said, what if he sins against me? The word used there for sin is the exact word you would think would be there. It is the word that means you do something against me that violates God. And how often should I forgive? Oh, that has just raised the stakes a little bit higher. The stakes are higher because now we're not just talking about some petty little grievance. We're not talking about a situation where somebody made me mad. They disappointed me. They didn't respect me. This is a story about sin. Now the first thing that pops into your mind sure should be. Well, that's not my job. I don't forgive sin. That's God's job. I want you to hold on to that. I want you to 
hold on to that, not only for a little bit this morning, but tonight when we go and ask the question, what happens if the person never repents? Do I still forgive? Well, this is a situation where Peter is not trying to say, I should not forgive. He recognizes the importance. He says, okay, how many times is he going to sin against me and then I forgive him? The second thing he says, up to seven times. What do you think Peter was doing? What do you think he was doing? Was he trying to put a limit? Was he trying to find a way to get out of doing what he knew that he ought to do? I think sometimes we do that. Sometimes we try to find a way that justifies me not forgiving someone. And whatever justification we try to find, maybe Peter's doing the same thing. And he's trying to find a limit. And he says, I'm willing to do it, but I'm only willing to do it seven times. I don't know why Peter would have the mentality that he has any more than I understand why you and I might have it. What is it that would make me want to say, do I have to forgive that person? Are you telling me that I have to forgive them? Well, what kind of mentality or what kind of attitude would produce that in my heart? And Peter is just saying what might be in the minds of any one of us at any time. So Jesus says... Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. It also could mean in the language 77 times. In our Bible class this morning in here, we were talking about the importance of numbers to the Jewish people. They, were, they meant something to them. The number seven was their number for perfection and completeness. And so Peter had asked really what was a pretty good question in his mind. He said, isn't it a perfect thing? Isn't it a complete thing if I say seven times, I forgive you? And oh, by the way... Peter is really trying to be magnanimous because notice what he said, seven times in a day. Have you ever had, have you ever been in a position with someone close to you like his brother? Where you had to, you felt something happened seven times in the same same day that you have to forgive. Seven times in a day. What kind of a relationship is that? What kind of problems are going on there? And he said, no, no, Peter. Seventy times seven. Or maybe it's seventy-seven. 
Jesus is not putting a limit. He's not telling them, okay, I want you to start counting from the first one. And when you get to this number, then you're finished. It's a hyperbole of being able to say, oh, you want to know what perfection is? How about perfection times perfection? In other words, whenever and however many times, that's the message of Jesus. That's the question that produced the parable. So Jesus tells the parable. There was this great king, the text says, and it came time to settle accounts with his servants. I don't know what version, of course, that you're reading. Maybe your version says the word slave. Let's take a moment to understand what's going on in the text. What's he talking about? I did a lot of reading this weekend on slavery in the first century and in the Roman Empire. I did some study on those who have gone in depth to the words that are used in Scripture. And here's what I think is absolutely trustworthy and we can buy it. Here's the problem. When we read in Scripture about slaves or we read about servants, we read it through the foggy glasses of modern day slavery. And that's not at all what he's talking about. Sure, there might have been some when the Romans conquered people who became slaves against their will. But the vast majority and what Scripture seems to be talking about, and I'll show you in just a minute, it's more what we would call a bond servant. And a bond servant says... I need help. I can't live my life because I'm in a financial situation. How about I work for you and you pay off my debts? I read a writer who said a bond servant was a better life for so many people during that time. He even said... There were doctors and lawyers who were bond servants to other people because of the situations in their lives. Here, this king has servants who are bound to him. Notice what it says. He's going to settle the accounts, proving that they had a bond-servant relationship. These were not slaves that he had bought somewhere as far as against their will. These are slaves that were bought with their participation, their free will, because they needed help. One servant came and he owed so much money, it was impossible for him to pay it back. 
Some have surmised, one person did, running the numbers from the money accounts of the first century to modern day times. This servant might have owed his master as much as $10 million. How long would it take you today to pay off a debt of $10 million? Forget the interest. And then think about the wages of their time. He was not going to pay it in a lifetime. Impossible. And the text says that he was forgiven. Wow, what kind of an emotion would you have leaving that king? Somebody walked up to you today and says, I'm going to pay off your house. You're going to go, okay, this is great. You know, the elders laid out there an opportunity for any one of us to build the new facility. Just help us and write a million dollar check. They'll take it. Be glad to have it. So I know the feeling. He left that room. And the Bible says that he found one of his fellow servants who owed him some money. Now, the bond servant to the king is a little different except for the fact that he owed him money. It doesn't seem like this servant had sold himself to his other servant, but rather that he owed him some money. Maybe he borrowed some money and it's time to pay it back. Whatever it was, someone surmised again with the numbers that it was less than $100. And while that might be a bit significant to them, compare the two makes no sense that this man would be forgiven this great debt and then turn around and try to get $100 out of his fellow servant without any thought whatsoever to the state of that guy. Oh, please, I can't pay it now. Will you please help me out? No. I'm going to put you in the debtor's prison. And you're going to stay there until that money is paid. The other servants saw what was going on. They reported it to the king. Now the king, now the master is highly upset. What? After all I did for you, and this is what you do in return, now you owe me. You are going to jail, to the debtor's prison. He would never come out. It would never be paid. And he would always be there. Because of his attitude and his actions. 
And that's the parable that Jesus told. Then Jesus gave the point. Look at verse number 35. So it is with each one of you. If you do not forgive men, neither will my Father forgive you. Now the point comes. Now we hear in the answer to the question of Peter, am I going to forgive continually? Is that what you're telling me, Jesus? Jesus said, all right, here it is. Number one, realize that forgiveness can be revoked by your Father. Let me ask you a question to think about for a minute. Just let it pass through your minds. Were we forgiven at the cross? Hmm. Forgiveness did not exist in the mind of God until Jesus made his sacrifice. And on that day, forgiveness, the door to the storehouse of the forgiveness of God was opened. And everybody from Old Testament times right on to our time, the, old, the door is open. God has forgiven through Jesus. Now it can be revoked. The master forgave, but he pulled it back. You know why? Because the servant's actions were improper. God has forgiven us. But what if my actions are not proper? What if I don't obey what he tells me to access that forgiveness? What if I refuse to obey the words of Peter in Acts 2 and verse 38? Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Though I was forgiven, forgiveness was opened, I have to access it for me in particular. Forgiveness was open in general for everybody. I have to access it for me. And that access that God has provided can be revoked either by my refusal to take it to myself or by my refusal to live with it properly from then on. The king took it back. God could take back for me and you individually what he gave to the world. And I need to be aware of that. Number two, forgiveness begins in the heart. Verse 27, 
the king said to his servant, You should have had compassion. I had compassion on you. You should have had compassion on your fellow servant. What is compassion? Literally, the word means to feel with. You were just in a situation that you could not pay. Your fellow servant was in a situation where he couldn't pay. You should have felt with him because you had been in the same situation as he had been. Compassion helps me look at somebody else and know that I've already been where you are. I've had debts forgiven. I've had hurts overlooked. I've had sin removed. Why would I not do the same for you? It's the same word used in Luke 10. When the good Samaritan saw the man in trouble and he was moved with compassion... That Samaritan had been abused by Jewish people his whole life. They hated him. So he could feel with him who had been abused by robbers, and therefore he was moved to act. Forgiveness begins in the heart when I am a compassionate person with them I feel. With them I hurt. But number three, forgiveness even involves sin. If my brother sins against me, Tonight we're going to figure out or think about, and we're going to do it in a congregational Bible study way. So if the person doesn't repent, do I forgive them anyway? Well, do you see the word repent in this story? Do you see any information here about the brother doing anything? So that Peter could forgive? I don't. I don't see it. Now I know that I don't have the ability to remove someone's guilt before the Lord. It's not my job. That's his job. So there must be something that I can do. What did Jesus, what did God do on the cross with Jesus? He opened the door to forgiveness. But were people guilt removed? No. Not until they responded properly. So what can I do? To people who even sin against me. I can open the door, meaning 
from my side, it's cleared. But now you have a job to do. We need to be forgiving people because God has forgiven us. I hope this lesson will help us to think about the need to be forgiving people. Not to find excuses not to do it, but rather do everything in my power to open the door of forgiveness to people who need it. Just like God did. And just like we do now. If you want us to help you be forgiven by God, immersing you into Christ or praying for you, this is the time if you'll let us know as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.